Give us a call, 618-383-2107, or log on to lonesomeroad.org. Or you can email me at gary.lonesomeroad at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you. Now sit back, listen, and enjoy today's program from Lonesome Road Ministries Church on the Road. Give us a call. We look forward to hearing from you. I keep those wheels to turn in town to town there's so much i gotta see i gotta look around i got diesel smoke rolling from two crumb stacks my address is 408 414 a big blue mag now it don't matter where i'm going i just gotta drive i have that white line fever to the day I got some great news for you today and some great news for our listeners today. We've got James Payne in the cab with us and we're going to get to hear some of his number one songs. You know what? This man is so busy, but he's out there doing what God has told him to do. And I was thinking last night and how he's still writing songs. He doesn't have to write songs, but God has still got him using that ministry, and he's still working. My brother, James Payne. There's been a lot of mountains that I've had to climb. There have been some rivers some deep and oh so wide Dark valleys try to pull me back To the life I left behind 
When I steal away to my secret place In prayer I close my eyes I can hear the angels singing I can see old Jordan's tide Just across the river Pearly gates are open wide I can see my Savior reaching With outstretched nail-scarred hands Though I'm walking through the valley I can see the promised land Storm clouds sometimes gather Try to blind my eyes To the joy that I know's waiting Just beyond the eastern sky And this world that's growing darker With every passing day I can still see the lights of home When I steal away and pray I can hear the angels singing I can see old Jordan's tide Just across the river Early gates are open wide I can see my Savior reaching With outstretched nails start hands Though I'm walking through the valley I can see the promised land I can hear the angels sing I can see old Jordan's tide Just across the river Early gates are open wide I can see my Savior reaching With outstretched nail-scarred hands Though I'm walking through the valley I can see the promised land Though I'm walking through the valley I can see the promised land Gary, you know what's better than a number one song from James Payne? Go ahead and tell me, Daryl. I'm all ears. This right here uh, is a message. My brother, James Payne. I want to read you something that was written April the 30th, 1863. And it was written by Abraham Lincoln when he called this nation to a national day of prayer and fasting. And he sent this to America and said, we have been recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. Now, it's interesting that he said this because it was in the middle of a civil war. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. How many of you, if I stopped right there, you could say amen and agree with every word that he said that God has preserved us, God has prospered us. You know, you may be struggling with paying a bill, but come on with me and I'll take you to a garbage dump in India where they're sifting through the garbage trying to find breakfast. 
You may be wondering where next month's house payment or next month's car payment's coming from, but come to Central America with me, and I'll introduce you to people that make $100 a month and have a family to raise. If you don't believe America is the greatest nation on earth, you need to travel for a while. But then after he talked about what God had done, listen what he said. But we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which preserved us in peace and multiplied, enriched, and strengthened us. And we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom or virtue of our own. Isn't that the same thing that's going on today. Listen to the political candidates. All of them are saying, if I am elected, I will do this and I will do that. Am I right? And they make all these promises. I, I got a definition of the word politics if you want to hear it. Poly comes from a word meaning many. It's a Latin word. And ticks are blood-sucking creatures. So if you put those things together... We need a president that wrote this. I said, we need a president that'll stand up and say, listen, if I'm elected president, we're going to have a day of fasting and prayer. We're going to get God back in this thing, and everybody don't like it can find someplace else. You know, I've been to Muslim countries, okay? they will not let you take your Bible into a Muslim country. It is against the law. They'll put you in prison and execute you if they catch you bringing your Bible into a Muslim country. I don't blame them. You know why? Because if the Bible gets in there and the Word of God is preached in there, then Islam don't have a chance against the Word of God. Come on. I don't blame school systems that want violence in their hallways for taking the Bible out of the classrooms. Because when you take the Bible out of the classroom, violence, uh, drugs, alcohol, murder, all these things are the result of taking the Word of God out of the classrooms. I don't blame the devil in this day and hour for making the church absent from the word of God and raising up seminary preachers that only give a short 30 minute discourse about how wonderful humanity is and never mentions the depravity of man's sin and how Jesus is the only way to salvation and the blood is the only way to be cleansed and the cross is the only power in the gospel. I don't blame the devil for taking the word out of the pulpit. I'd like to remind our politicians, you're not putting your hand on the Quran when you take your vow to fulfill your office. Come on. I'd like to remind the court systems, when somebody stands up to testify, they're not putting their hand on the recent edition of People magazine. They're putting it on the word of Almighty God and swearing upon the word of Almighty God. I'd like to remind our Supreme Court that when they take their vow, 
now to serve this nation with justice. They put their hand on the Bible that says man should not marry man. Woman should not marry woman. Man should leave mother and father, cleave to a wife, and they shall be one flesh. I'd like to remind preachers who have mass crowds and sell millions of books that the only way to be all you can be is to humble yourself before the Lord God Almighty and say, Lord, I know I'm nothing without you. I know that Jesus, you're the only answer for society. Jesus. You know, church has become a social circle. It starts at 10 o'clock sharp, ends at 12 o'clock dull. And preachers think that it's up to them to build the church. I have this massive church because I am talented, I am educated, and I have programs into place, and their congregation is half lost on their way to hell, don't know Jesus, sets through service after service without any kind of conviction because nobody's preached the word of God and told them that they are lost in their sin without Jesus. Half their congregation is bound by prescription drugs and others buy them from the guy down on the corner. Come on, they got to go home and get a drink, amen, just to calm them down. They got to have a drink when they get up in the morning. Got to have one to put them to sleep at night. Come on. Are you listening to me? I'm talking about the church you and I are part of. This is the last day. It's the last time. That's what Abraham Lincoln was saying. Listen, it's not us. It's not who we are. It's not we are a great nation. We just got a great God. And God has exalted this nation. And God has had his hand on this nation. The reason we're prosperous is because those pilgrims got in a 26, amen, a foot wide boat by 113 foot long. And they came across the ocean. And they stepped off of that Mayflower. And they read the Mayflower Compact. And here's what it says if you don't know listen to what it said they read the Mayflower Compact and it says we have come here to establish a nation and to build the kingdom of God on the precepts and the and the teachings of this book that's where America started ladies and gentlemen we got to get America back to God we got to get the church back to God we got to get our our people and our preachers back to God Let me read the rest of what he said. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to feel the necessity of a redeeming and preserving grace. This last statement. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. Oh, I'd like to preach this to Congress. I'd like to preach this to the Senate. I'd like to stand on Hillary Clinton's platform and preach this to her crowd. I'd like to stand in front of Donald Trump's crowd and preach this to Donald Trump's crowd. You may not like him, and you may not vote for him, but I'm telling you, Donald Trump is the only one that has put together a cabinet of preachers to pray And Jensen Franklin is part of that group that he put together on last Friday. I have to give him credit for at least trying, although Donald needs to get somewhere and pray through himself. I'm going to tell you, 
mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, he's as close to what we need. And I don't make any Democrats, but I'm not Democrat or Republican. Okay, you understand what I'm saying? I'd like to tell Donald sometime, shut up. Just shut up. Nobody will know how stupid you are if you just shut up. <laughs> but, but let me tell you something. I don't want to see our nation going farther and farther and farther away from God. And if we keep voting people in that are farther and farther away from God, they'll take our nation farther and farther away from God. And you and I as believers are the only hope of stopping that. But we've been silent so long. One woman got prayer taken out of school while the church sat around shouting. You know, I'm not going to stand by while a Muslim, you know, raises up the Quran in my face and says that, that Elijah Muhammad and Allah is the way to go. No, I'm not going to sit back and keep my mouth shut. They can take me off a of TV. They can, I've had five death threats made on my life already. You can make death threats. You can walk in a building and shoot me, but you better kill me because on my last breath, I'm going to be preaching the word of God. I'm going to tell you what the Lord Jesus Christ said. I believe it's time for Christians to stand up and get militant and to get violent and indignant about what's happening in our country. Can I tell you quickly seven signs of the end time and let you see if maybe you think we're living in the end time. Number one, in 1 Timothy 4.1, it said there would be a departure from the faith. What is faith? Romans 10.17 says faith comes by hearing the word of God. So, there's a departure from the Word of God. Oh, now there are certain parts of the Word being preached. But how long has it been since you heard a sermon on the blood? The redeeming power of the blood of Jesus. How long has it been since you heard a sermon on the consequences of sin being hell? Oh, I'm going to tell you, you give 80% of the church a heart attack by saying, this morning I'm going to preach on the reality of hell. How do you know that, Brother Payne? Because I do it from time to time. Everybody that dies goes to heaven. It don't matter if they're strung out on drugs or an infidel. He's looking down from heaven on the Grammy Awards. You know, the most recent celebrity uh, to die uh, in the public eye was the rock star Prince. Prince was a Jehovah's Witness. That was his religion. But he died from drug addiction. Now I hope when he laid there on the floor dying, he called on Jesus. I do. I pray when I get to heaven, I'll see him. I want to see everybody go to heaven. But let me tell you something. John 3, 3 says you must be born again. And if you get born again, you don't act like the same old person you used to act like. Come on, you don't do the same old things you used to do, and you don't go the same old places you used to go. You straighten your mess up. You see, that's not popular. <laughs> but there's a departure from the faith, you know. And then the second sign, uh, the acceptance of pagan religions. You read it right there in 1 Timothy, the fourth chapter. It talks about 
pagan, what is a pagan religion? It denies the blood as the only way to cleanse man from sin. See, we don't want to hear about the blood. You know, the, the saints of God that blazed the foundation for the church, read the hymnal. If you have never read it, let me acquaint you with a couple of songs that's in there. There is power, power, wonder-working power. In the what? What can wash away my sin? Notice the courses that are being written today. They don't say that. Don't look at me like I'm from another planet. I said they don't say that. Down at the where my down wherefore from sin I cried there to my heart. There it is again. Blood applied. And boy, the songwriter must have realized what he was writing because he really changed it from there. There to my heart. Was the blood applied. Can't you see? Glory to his name. And then he just kept on. Glory to his name. Glory to his name. There to my heart. Was the blood applied? Woo! You won't find that in the Quran. Ain't nothing in the Quran about the blood setting you free. You only find that in the Bible. The writer to the Hebrews says, For without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. <laughs> see, God has so blessed me. You see, people come hear me sing. <laughs> and then when they get there, I just unload on them. <laughs> it's so wonderful. <laughs> they think, oh, I see him on television. Oh, he's just a wonderful singer. And he just come, I'm going to hear him sing. And man, when I start preaching, oh, God, they didn't sign up for all that. <laughs> The third sign of the end time, uh, Timothy said they will endorse doctrines of devils. What is a doctrine of devils? It's a humanistic philosophy that borders on the edge of truth, but upon close examination, it's a lie. Could I just cite a couple for you? All you got to do is just be good enough. He's a good old boy. He's a good old boy. She's a good old girl. That's, you just got to be good. God understands all your weaknesses. Everybody sins a little bit more or less every day. If you sin more or less every day, you're more or less a sinner. <laughs> oh, you're going to sin. The Bible says you're going to sin. 
But you know, we've made it a practice in the church. Because there's a doctrine of devil that's coming over national television that says grace covers everything. Come on, don't look at me like that. Grace. We're in an age of grace. And, and, and you know, grace covers you. If you want to go out and commit adultery, you know, grace covers that. If you want to go get staggered and drunk on Saturday night and come to church with bleary eyes on Sunday morning, grace covers that. You're under grace. You don't have to live for God. Just you under grace. The Bible didn't teach us that we should sin and frustrate the grace of God. The Bible says you should not sin, but if you sin. <laughs> Isn't it quiet here? I hope truck drivers, they're going to run off the road they hear this CD. Come on, they're going to run off the road listening to this. You see, uh, endorse doctrines of devils. Uh, number four, satanic worship. You may not know while you're sitting here in the confines of this small town of Carmine, Illinois, that around the world, in newspapers and on television, people are offering human sacrifices to Satan. Young kids are having seances and signing up for, uh, you know, uh, membership in the satanic church. Go to the West Coast. They even have satanic churches. It's a, it's a sign that we're in the last days. The end time is here. The fifth sign that Timothy said is a rebellion against authority. Rebellion against authority and lawlessness. I have never, and I'm 67 years old, but in my lifetime, I've never seen as many police officers being killed in the line of duty as I see at this moment. Now, some of you may have lived longer than me. Would you agree with me that this is a day and an hour when people don't respect authority? And they don't respect the law enforcement. Doesn't mean the badge doesn't mean anything to them anymore. Their heart is filled with violence. Their heart is filled with lawlessness. And they don't mind shooting somebody down that's, you know, that's trying to protect them because of rebellion and lawlessness that's in the heart of this generation. It's a sign of the end time. And then number six. The breakdown of the family unit. Families don't even eat together anymore. When I grew up, I was, you know, the eighth of nine children. And when I grew up, uh, you, you didn't leave the table and take your plate in the living room. Unless you had a death wish. But families don't eat together anymore. They don't even talk. I was sitting in a restaurant the other day, and a, and a wife and husband sitting there, and they got three kids, and they're all texting. I don't know if they're texting each other or not, but, but they're just, here's the generation we live in. It's a circle just right around them, and this is how they communicate. I'm talking about, I walk through airports, I see little, you know, five, six-year-old kids, and they got a cell phone. 
they're not talking to their parents. The parents aren't talking to them. They're in the back room in there with a video game, shooting and killing and destroying people on this video game while mom and daddy is in the living room watching a movie where they're shooting and killing each other, and we wonder what's wrong with this nation. Let me tell you, 50% of the marriages are falling apart, and 60% of the second marriages are falling apart. And the reason is hell has come into our house. Rebellion, lawlessness, a lack of authority has come into the house. Nobody is setting the standard in the house. Husband is supposed to be the head of the house. But we got wives that don't want to submit. Come on. And we got husbands that don't want to follow the Lord. And I don't blame the wife for not submitting. Come on. We need some men of God in the church. I go to churches and all you see on the platform is women. There's no men up there on the platform except the preacher. That's that's not right, folks. That's not right, men. You ought to stand up and be a man. If you can't even sing, get up there. Tell them to turn your mic off. Just let people know that there's more than women in the church that love God. The breakdown in the family. Let me tell you why God hates homosexuality. And I prove that he hates it from the word of God. Romans chapter 1, down to verse around 21, he said, uh, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. You see, now if you glorify God as God, you have to recognize that he's the final authority. Not you. Hello. It's not what you think about it. Now, the reason this is important is that God said in his word that as believers, we are to give 10% of our income to God. But 87% of the church don't do that. So they're not glorifying God as God. They're glorifying God as somebody that can help them when they need him but sits in the corner until they don't need him. And we got preachers that are afraid to say that because they're afraid they got non-tithers that'll leave the church. If I was a pastor, I'd want the non-tithers to leave because the Bible said that they're thieves and robbers. And I won't want to take the chance of them stealing the chairs or the PA set or a car out of the parking lot. When I pastored, I listed the name of the non-tithers in the bulletin. I had 99% tithers in my church. Because one day I'm going to have, as a pastor, i got to stand before God and give an account for these people that I hadn't told the truth to. The Bible said, Malachi, if you don't tithe, you're cursed with a curse. Whatever blessing you have has a curse on it. Why? Because you're not obeying God's word. That's not taught in the family. There's a breakdown in the family. Listen. I raised two boys. One of them was a, was a blessing, Mark. He's pastoring. He's preaching this morning. And we went over his sermon yesterday. We was on texting all day getting ideas, and he's preaching this morning. And I can't wait to talk to him this afternoon to see how it went because half what he said was mine. And so it'd be, you know, uh, and, that, and that, thank God for that. And, and we've got great church in Nashville, and our pastor's son, Aaron, is now coming into his own as a preacher, and, and he calls me all the time, and I give him pointers, and, and, and you know, and that's a real blessing, you know, that, that, that lets me know the church is in good hands. But then I had another son. He was Rosemary's baby. <laughs> He's a good guy now, but man, when he was growing up, I'm telling you what, I wanted to kill him about every other day. 
He, how many, anybody ever have a kid like that? You raise both of them, you read the Bible to them, you take them to church, you know, you do everything you can, and they just still rebellious, they just still put you and your wife through hell, and I wanted to kill him. I asked God, can I kill him? You know, and when he got to be a teenager, he, he started playing rock and roll music, and he'd go in his room, and he'd close the door, and lock his door, and he'd start playing rock and roll music, and you'd knock on the door, and he'd say, go away, I, I gotta have my space. And I tell you what, when he, first time he did that, the next day he come home he didn't have a door on his room I took the door off his room I said you got space and it'll be between your eyes you ain't bringing hell into my house I said you ain't bringing hell into my house I'm not letting the devil have you I'm not letting the devil have me I'm not letting the devil have my house folks we got to get back to that in America come on we got to quit letting hell come into our house there's an attack on our families why if the family's strong the church is strong if the church is strong the world is strong come on when the church stands up the devil backs up before God established the church or the kingdom he established the family the devil knew the power of breaking that family down now when two women start having a baby without a man I will embrace homosexuality when two men start having a baby without a woman, I will embrace homosexuality. And the reason God hates it is because he created man and woman to procreate and then teach the principles of God to the next generation so that he could have dominion on this earth. Am I right? He did not create this world for a bunch of misfits. Now, let me tell you something God hates worse than homosexuals in the world. Now, if you don't believe he hates them, read Romans chapter 1. When they knew God, they glorified him, not as God. Became vain in their imagination, their foolish hearts were dark, and professed themselves to be wise, they became fools. God gave them up to a reprobate mind. To do those things which were unseemly. Men with men. And women with women. Working that which was unseemly. God gave them up to a reprobate mind. Hello? Well, Brother Payne, you're just gay bashing. No, I'm just preaching the word of God. Well, Brother Payne, you must not like homosexuals. I love homosexuals. Five years ago, I sung at the Gay Pride Parade in San Francisco. You know why? They set up a platform and invited me, so I went. Yeah. Come on. I went. I lifted up Jesus. I told them Jesus could deliver them. I told them Jesus could set them free. Well, Brother Payne, maybe they were born like that. You know, I used to think that too. I thought maybe they're born like that. But you know, uh, a few years back, one of the most brilliant men in the world who was not a believer set out to prove genetically because he is a genetic specialist, one of the top five in the world. And he set out to prove that sometimes genetically people are born as a male but they have genetic tendencies as a female and vice versa. And after several years of research, he discovered that there's only one 
in 999 million chances that somebody could be born like that. Hello? In case you've forgotten, there's a story in the Bible how God dealt with Sodom and Gomorrah. Come on. Now, the Bible doesn't say enjoy sound doctrine. It said endure sound doctrine. <laughs> so I'm not really expecting you to enjoy this. Just endure it, and we'll be through in a minute. One thing God hates worse than homosexuals out in the world is homosexuals in the church. And the reason God hates some homosexuals, they can't fulfill his will, which is to multiply. That's what he said to Adam and Eve. Multiply, replenish the earth, and have dominion. And we've got a church full of homosexuals. Now, have you ever seen these talk shows where they have these girls on, and they're really guys, but they're dressed up like girls, and they're trying to guess, is this a guy or is this a girl? Anybody ever seen that? And sometimes they look so much like you don't know, Right? Well, that's the way the church is. People carrying the Bible, they got a bumper sticker that says, honk if you know Jesus. Amen. They got a cross around their neck, and they're carrying a songbook. And you think they're Christians, but they've never won a soul to Jesus. So they're really spiritual homosexuals. Because, you see, they're, they're, they're dressed up, and they look the part. They just can't reproduce. You ain't heard that before, have you? Because when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God. Let me remind you what the Lord said in Matthew 28, 19. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Just in case you hadn't heard, the Supreme Court of Heaven met, and it's not okay to be homosexual. And the reason it's not because God gave his only gotten son that people could be born again. And then he gave the church to preach the gospel so that people could be born again. And he saved you and I to be soul winners so that people could be born again. And the only reason you exist on this planet is not to take up space or breathe air. You're saved, filled with the Spirit, so you can be a witness to people that, you, that serve your dinner, amen, at the restaurant, that live next door to you and across the street from you. He raised you up. Thank God for the vision of this ministry right here. It's reaching people the church is not reaching. Come on. I said it's reaching people the church is not reaching. That's why I'm here. Let me close with this last thing. In my lifetime, I've never seen as many hurricanes, storms, tornadoes, and earthquakes on a worldwide scale. Am I right? As a boy, I don't remember hearing about tornadoes like I do today. Oh, you might have one or two, would you know. But, man, last year... Uh, over 1,800 earthquakes were reported around the world. And they say there was just that many that was not reported. And I've got a theory on that. The Bible teaches in Romans that the earth is travailing. One translation says the earth is standing on its tiptoes, dancing to welcome the king. Whew. 
glory to God. So the earthquake, the earth is shaking, standing on his tiptoes, getting ready to welcome the king. Ladies and gentlemen, one of these days, the trumpet of God's going to sound. Jesus is going to come back to the clouds of glory. Jude says, with ten thousands of his saints riding on white horses and on the bridle will be holiness to the Lord. I wonder what all these slick, sophisticated, intellectual preachers that have never preached the gospel is going to think when Jesus shows up with holiness to the Lord written on the bridle of his horse. We're there. This is the last day. What is our responsibility? Preach the gospel. Get people to Jesus. Come on. You know, sometimes I feel like I'm too busy. I'll leave here this afternoon, drive to another town, preach tonight, drive back to Nashville tonight because I got to be in the office at 7 o'clock in the morning. A few days later, I'm on another you know, back in the car, come up here, preach at another church. In between, I'm doing television. And so, that's been my life for the last 40 years, full time. I don't want to stand in front of Jesus and have him say to me, why didn't you do your best? I don't want to leave a song unfinished. I don't want to leave a sermon unpreached. I don't want to see a soul unreached. Listen, every town I go in, I have death threats made on me because you're one of those preachers that get on television and raise money. Yeah. And you're one of those devils that criticize me. Can I just tell you that since January, on Inspiration Television, I just got a letter Friday from Dr. David Sorello. And here's what he said, James, because of you and your ministry on Inspiration Television, we have already recorded 135,000 conversions since January. When you take these CDs and you put them in a rest area, you put them in a truck stop, or you send them to somebody, you don't know. See, they recorded this message this morning. It's going to be duplicated. It's going to be sent out. And maybe some old backslid preacher will hear it somewhere and realize that he used to preach like I'm preaching and somewhere he compromised. It may get in the hands of some homosexual that can't wait to the next rest area where they can engage in homosexuality and the power of the Word of God gets a hold of them and breaks that power off their life. I want y'all to pray for Gary and Linda every day. And I want you, when God speaks to you, you know, get out your checkbook and write a check and say, listen, I want to help send a hundred CDs out. Or, you know, sometimes Christians are just freeloaders. 
They come here and eat free food and pick up free tapes and don't ever give a dime. The attitude in the church. You know, I ask this question. Can I ask this question? I'm trying to quit preaching. I really am. In 1 Kings 17, there's a preacher in a famine that needs a meal. And God says there's a widow over there, and I talk to her. Now, if you go over there, and I've already told her to sustain you or take care of you. How many of you remember that story? It's in 1 Kings 17. And the preacher gets over there, and there's a widow there, and she's got a son, and she's got one cake left and enough oil to bake that cake. You remember that story? Well, I want to ask you two questions, and then I'm through. Number one, if that preacher had not gone and asked that woman for that meal, what would have happened to that woman and her son? Somebody help me. What do you think would have happened to that widow and her son? She said, we got one meal, we're going to eat it, and we're going to die. She's one day away from death. And the preacher went and told her what God told him to tell her. Now, what would have happened had he disobeyed God? Would she die? How many of you agree she would have died? All right, now I want to ask you the second question. If the widow had not baked a cake for the preacher, what would have happened to the preacher? I was hoping you'd say that. Do you hear what he said? God would have found somebody else. See, that's the attitude of the church. <laughs> Hello? The preacher has to obey God, but the church don't. I, I wish you'd introduce me to somebody else, because I've been looking for him for 40 years. <laughs> See, that's our way of excusing ourselves. We're not, there's not somebody else. We are somebody else. We're the ones that God has put in place and blessed to be a blessing to the body of Christ and the kingdom of God. Because of your faithfulness last night and your generosity last night, we were able to replace the copier for this ministry and we didn't have to wait on somebody else. We became somebody else. Now I hope and pray that what this brother said is true. I hope somebody else will do it. But I can't depend on somebody else. You see. You know, when I build a church somewhere in Central America, it digs into my budget. And I feel like saying, God, would you get somebody else? You understand what I'm saying? But God honors us to be that person in this last day. You know, it's going to be sad when people have to try to run the church after the rapture and pay their back tithe. And, and while I've heard this all my life, that somebody else will do it. I've heard this, and this is the attitude of the church. It's a wrong attitude. Come on. We should say, I am that somebody else. Now, I really believe and agree with my brother. If that woman hadn't fed Elijah, God had a plan for Elijah, and God would probably send him somewhere else, and God would probably fed him. But the woman would have still died because <laughs> she didn't do what God told her to do. You understand what I'm saying? And so I just want to encourage you in this last day, just do what God tells you to do. Just do what the Word of God tells you to do. He's king. Whatever you got, 
He's got to have access to it. Amen. Come on. If he blessed you with a car, he might want it. If he blessed you with a home, he may need it. If you've got a bank account. I was in Atlanta, Georgia 30 years ago. Paul Crouch held up a piece of paper. He said, we, got, we can build a TV station in Brazil. We can reach millions of people. All we need is $250,000. I thought, wow. I had $25,000 in the bank. I was going to go trade my old car and get me a new one and be debt free. He said, that's 10 people giving 25000 The Lord said, you're one of them. My wife and I wrote that check. We gave that 25000 I was broke when I left there that night. But I've been debt free for 30 years now. Huh? You saw that when we did that. He saw that. Right now there's a Christian station in Brazil preaching the gospel to millions of people and everyone that's touched, I had part of it. See, the reason some people ain't blessed, God can't trust them. When he can trust you, he'll bless you. Millions flow through my hands. Because God can trust me to do the right thing. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word of God today. Thank you for sound doctrine, Lord. That's what I preached today. You said you won't let your word return void, but it will accomplish the purpose that you sent it forth to accomplish. Now, Lord, I pray today if there's one person in this building and they're lost or they're cold in their soul or they're listening on CD right now. Lord, whether they're listening to hospital, motel room, bar, truck, wherever they're listening, I pray the same conviction I feel in my heart right now would Touch their heart. Father, I pray right now in the name of Jesus that your blessings would come up on this place for what they're doing for the kingdom. And Lord, I pray for every individual, including this preacher that stands here today with this microphone in his hand. Lord, I pray for every one of us that we realize the business that we're in is a soul winning business. And Lord, that we're in the business of establishing the kingdom of God on this earth in power and preaching the gospel without compromise. And I pray today, Lord, that you'd burn that in the hearts of everyone that hear this message. Let not this word return void, but let it accomplish that person. Don't let the devil come and steal the word as he did in Matthew 13 when the sower went forth to sow. Don't let the word be stolen from our heart. Don't let this be just another sermon. Let it be a message. God, I had intended preaching a sermon, but you changed it and gave me a message. So, Lord, I thank you today. You've honored us. By your presence, you've honored us by leading us in preaching the gospel. Now, every head's bowed, every eye's closed, nobody's looking around. Please give me that respect for just a moment. I don't know. You may be lost. You may just be cold in your soul. You may just be away from God. I don't know. And if you're one of those right now that says, Brother Payne, God has touched my heart this morning and I, and I need to, I need to repent and, and I need to, to just draw closer to Jesus and I need to get some things out of my life that are hindering me. And I want you to pray for me. If you're here, raise up your hand right now and say, that's me. 
And I want God to help me. Lift your hand up. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand, ma'am. I see your hand, sir. I see your hand, sir. Over here. Amen. Anyone else, Brother Payne? I needed the message, and I need God to help me because I haven't really, I haven't really been as serious as I need to be with Jesus. I fell off the wagon. I fell on hard times. I even fell for all of old Satan's lies. Flat on my back, so low I could crawl. Just when I thought there was no place left to fall, I fell on my knees. I cried, Lord, help me, please. You know I can't make it on my own. He picked up the pieces of my broken heart When I fell on my knees Cause there was no place left to fall Lord, I've done things for which I'm not proud. I fell in sin. Yeah, I did it all. Just when I thought there was no place left to fall. I cried, Lord, help me, please You know I can't make it on my own He picked up the pieces of my broken heart When I fell on my knees Cause there was no place left to fall I fell on my knees when there was no place left to fall But did you raise your hand when James Payne asked you to raise your hand? Are you away from God? Would you like to get closer to God than you've ever been? It's as simple as saying a little prayer, asking Jesus Christ to come into your heart, asking Jesus Christ to 
fire you back up like you was when you first got saved. Whatever the situation is with you right now, we want to pray with you. You know, we cut up and carry on a lot at the beginning of these uh, radio programs. But it's time to get serious with God. And when Pastor James talks about the domino effect, it's not just your soul that is affected by the decision you're making today. If you have children at home, if you have a spouse at home, if you have friends that are looking to you for some type of leadership, then that's the domino effect because you could take them wherever you go. And don't you want to take them to meet Jesus? All you got to do is pray a simple little prayer. It can be as simple as, Lord Jesus, forgive me for my sins. Lord, I want to do more. I want to be everything that you've called me to be. Take out my stony heart and give me a brand new heart. I will live for you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. What has a big trouble children? Step on in. Pray that prayer and ask Jesus Christ into your heart, then we want to hear from you. Give us a call right here at 618-383-2107. And remember this, friends, Jesus loves you, and we do too. And this is Chaplain Gary Rayburn, and we'll talk at you later. Drivers, my friend Gary Rayburn has a song called At the Foot of the Tree 
that Dennis McKay uh, recorded for Gary and did an awesome job. Here is Dennis McKay singing At the Foot of the Tree. Without hope, 18 wheels of lonesome at the end of the road. In my hand was a track the preacher had read, his words still echoing in the back of my head. I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past. Then I called his name This chance would it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Those 18 wheels are rolling that old lonesome road and I shared the good news wherever I go yes there's been a change I'm not the man I used to be and I tell everybody what's happened to me how I felt so ashamed when I thought of my past but I called his name This chance Could it be my last Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree And I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus At the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I've been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree Then I saw Jesus Hanging on that tree I lifted up my heart From down on my knees Today I met Jesus at the foot of the cross Broken hearted and lonesome So long I'd been lost I left a lifetime of misery At the foot of the tree
would love to hear from you. My phone number is 618-383-2107. That's it. Yeah. We'll talk at you later. There you go. Pittsburgh rolling down that Easter Seaboard. I got my diesel turned up and she running like never before. Well, there's a speed zone ahead, alright, but I don't see a cop in sight. Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it on tonight. I got me ten forward gears and a Georgia overdrive. I don't need no pills cause my eyes are open wide I just passed a Volvo and a white I've been passing everything inside Six days on the road and I'm gonna make it on tonight I'll take it home Look out, Mama.